good people of Los Angeles and those with Angelino sympathies on digital screens everywhere and or in person and in the trees in my neighborhood. Welcome back to another episode of the FCFC pod. We are back in quarantine, y'all. We are back on Zoom. It's Zoom pod life. Benefits of Zoom pod? Well, there's not a lot. But the best part about this Zoom pod, we got the defenders. The defenders of the bank. What are the defenders you guys think? I'm not getting players on here. You guys think we want to hang out with players? We want to hang out with these guys right here. JR, a.k.a. The Scarf. Philly, a.k.a. Philly? (laughs) And we got a for a good, I don't know, we recorded probably about an hour and a half. We touch on a ton of topics from how these two met each other, the origins of the name, the origins of their pod journey. We also take a physical journey in our minds to New York City uh, and hear some of the recommendations from that city as well as the city we love here in Los Angeles. Hit you guys with the usual recommendations and more or less talk about how we're going to get through quarantine, which as long as we got each other, we got everything, right, guys? And our bodies? I don't know. Slim, hit him with the warning. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all sitting at home, so there's not that much background noise. But you know there's profanity. You know it's there. So if you're around children or at work, which you probably aren't because we're back in quarantine, um, you know, stop listening. It's not, it's not good for your ears. might not be good for your job. You should have stopped listening by now, you dumb motherfuckers. Bye. FCFC to the FCFC pod where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. It's your favorite fat Korean, your boy Slim. Sitting on the screen in front of me is Josh Sexy Spice. Two New Yorkers wear orange and blue. Dougie Fresh, shout out. Oh <laughs> my gosh. And I'm going to swipe one time and sitting on my screen is Big Dweez. I'm just happy we didn't get Ryan Wallerson for this episode as much as I'd like to have him because then I think we'd be straight up outnumbered right here. Or it'd be yes, even New too York much New York non. stuff going on. <laughs> and we have some very special guests on the interwebs today because we're back on Zoom, because we're back on lockdown. But we have a bright spot in it all. The pod fam has come together and the defenders of the bank have come to join us on a phone screen for me. Woo! Woo! We got we got the scarf. What's well, good? The name is self-explanatory. I mean, he the scarf. He has all the scarves. He's designed the scarf. And let's be honest, like having scarves in Southern California isn't like a normal thing. So shout out to Scarf. What's good, my man? So good to be here. Legend legend and... has it that he's made out of scarves himself. Just no <laughs> tissue. It's all scarves. <laughs> One big scarf. And we got the fast-talking New Yorker, the slick-haired, wearing the orange and blue, looking all sexy today. We got 
Who is it, y'all? Hey, it's Philly in the y'all. house. You know, you know, Philly had to do his own introduction on that, bro. <laughs> yeah, on. I, you know. the self-proclaimed beast from the east. <laughs> love it, love it. The defenders of the bank are here, y'all. It's a long time coming. Pod fam, pod fam, pod fam. Yes, sir. How's everybody doing? Man, you know, I'll start. We were talking about this during the paywall content that we were doing before with uh, with Josh here. I uh, I run an after school program right now, and we just got shut down for two weeks for COVID issues. So luckily, everybody that we know is is happy and healthy so far. But today was a day between that parent teacher conferences last week. Got grade reports to write, getting ready for these final grades for the first semester. I'm living the dream right now as a teacher. Right now, this is great. Oh man, being a teacher in this time is. I mean, being a teacher in general is weird, especially like you said, middle school. And middle school kids are fucking gross. They're disgusting yeah. little like creatures. That so, was my smelliest time. <laughs> oh, that's most people's smelliest time until they like, unless they're making that choice in high school to be like, fuck everything. Right. But yeah, middle school, oh, middle school kids are nasty. I, I got to have to middle schoolers, man. I love they're great. <laughs> I mean, you practically hang out with a dude who acts like a middle schooler, so it's not really that much of a difference. <laughs> Josh and I are probably just projecting our disgusting middle school years on you guys. And- yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I've had my own. I remember I committed social suicide in the sixth grade. There was a, I guess we were doing like public speeches or whatever, or some kind of class presentation. And there was this girl named Megan Brukus giving a, a presentation in front of our little, our little junior high class. And my buddy to the left of me was making me laugh. So trying to make me laugh. And I had the worst gas buildup. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm squeezing my cheeks. And then finally, I just let it go, man. Like it was just it was it, it was just a massive eruption. And for the rest of that year, they knew me as Fart Factory Filament. I hated it. <laughs> Fart Factory Filament. Jesus. I love it. The triple F. <laughs> was, um, I, I farted in gym class one time doing push-ups. <laughs> um, and also, I was trying to squeeze them cheeks, my own cheeks, but I, it escaped me. And then um, all the girls that I have had massive crushes on me just like literally held their nose. But um, all the guys, we were like in fucking sixth grade. They're like, yeah, yeah, Josh, fucking cool. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's a different thing. I didn't get a nickname quite as cool as yours, bro, but uh, it happens, man. Gas happens to, to the best of us. For sure. But I shat my pants in first grade doing jumping jacks. So fuck both y'all. <laughs> <laughs> elementary school and middle school were my peak years so i don't i've got nothing negative to say about that time. <laughs> um i think we're gonna jump right into it before we ask more personal questions about other nicknames and other origin stories i do think it's only fitting given given the gravitas of this moment all of us being back in our homes uh, the team we all follow uh being knocked out of the mls playoffs can we talk about a little bit of football? Maybe a little bit of first football memories? Why don't we start with you, uh, Scarf? What's your oldest football memory? All right. So I wasn't a big soccer fan growing up. I just wasn't. I grew up in, in Southern California. I was a swimmer. I was a water polo player. I played volleyball, played baseball. I pretty much did everything I could uh, to not have to run at, for a lot of the sports that I played. And uh, soccer is all running. So not a lot of early on soccer memories. I was terrible at the sport. I'm still terrible at the sport. But that being said, I was a camp counselor. Actually, I was probably a junior counselor. I was like 14, 15 years old at 
camp and there were these two girls dana and kate and they we grew up together and they both played club soccer and they were miles better than i was and we were playing a little three on three against some of the other junior counselors before summer camp it was like eight in the morning we're all down there on the field and all i remember is kate whips this cross across the box and the only thing i've ever done right in my entire life i come screaming through i dive like sliding into second base i get a heel on the ball put it in the back of the net and it was the only good soccer memory soccer play that i've ever made in my entire life i was like 14 years old it, it's the one goal i scored and and honestly I, I retired after that i'll take it to the grave best soccer play i'll ever make and i didn't pull my hamstring oh boy oh <laughs> jesus we, need, we yeah. needed that we, can, we needed that kind of trickery last uh last tuesday am i right boys we need someone to just give <laughs> we need a one magic moment i would have taken that from anybody on the field that's amazing. Uh, Philly, what's, what's your memory? Well, I just want to say, Scarf had like an LAFC like player moment. I mean, he he's talking about his hamstring. He could have pulled an Andy Nahar. <laughs> Jesus. <Yeah>. Andy. So, <laughs> El Papel, as we like to call him. Um, as far as my memory is, it serves me correctly. Uh, I played football. I played Baseball and I played basketball throughout throughout school, but I fell in love with the game as a kid. My family's from Eastern Europe, so I grew up loving it. My mom's side, they're originally Romanian by way of Greece, so my mom's side of the family, they all moved out to New York. My dad's side of the family, they all left Romania to move down to, to Munich, Germany. And so it was 1990, all right? West Germany was playing Argentina in the World Cup. Andreas Bremer scored a goal, one nothing. West Germany won. I have a... Uh, not... Not 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 an original, oh, but a replica crazy. kid from that time frame. That legendary and, uh, kid. Ten, ten years old, I I loved I loved Matelos, Thomas Hessler, uh, dare I say Jurgen Klinsmann. I mean, there were so many unbelievable players. Fast forward four years after that, obviously we had the World Cup in the U.S. So you know the story that Romania that was the last time they were there. So it was exciting watching them make it all the way to the quarterfinals with the the Eastern European Maradona George Haji who played had a decent career at, uh, in Eastern Europe. He also played at Barca. Uh, he was really yeah. known for his time at uh, Stawa Bucharest and Galatasaray. But um, yeah, '94 that World Cup was great. I moved to Germany that very year. Uh, my dad works in finance, so we moved to Frankfurt. And I became the black sheep of my family tree, so to speak. They, uh, everybody was Bayern Munich fan. We lived in Frankfurt. I'm track Frankfurt fan. So those are my earliest memories. But like many people that have come on your show, somewhat related to the World Cup, I just happen to be a little older. So mine go to 90 and they don't start at 94, 98 like some other people's do. Well, that, that same game, I think it's only right. We got to give a shout out West Germany, Argentina in the final of uh, the Italian, the, you know, 90 World Cup against is against the Maradona all right the, the man yep. man of the of the hour of the week of the year um it's hard to imagine a sports figure perhaps eclipsing Kobe Bryant in terms of global impact that could have passed away this year but you kind of got it with Maradona and I mean between the two of those guys it's just been an insane year on top of an insane year for so many things but I'm just gonna hit it with uh with the the four of you while I got you here do you guys have any golden Maradona memories uh, the first time you heard about this character Maradona I know that uh Josh and Slim maybe didn't remember uh as far back or maybe didn't didn't get hip to him until you guys got into the game but um what what's our what's our favorite Maradona memories maybe we'll pass that around because we got to shout out to the legend yeah also you know, for me, um, I, I had no idea who Diego Maradona was up until maybe 15 years ago. 
And it wasn't, it, I just never went down that rabbit hole of international soccer that way before. I, I knew who Pele was and, and several other great international players, but I actually watched the entire match just a couple days ago um, in 86 with both the hand of God and the FIFA goal of the century, because up until then I had never seen it. And so for me to be able to watch him play on, on that stage where, you know, great moments are coming up and, you know, the most infamous moment and maybe the, the best looking moment in the history of FIFA soccer happens in the same match. That was really my first kind of foray into watching him for who he was. And it's, just different watching it was different watching him play he did things and moved in a way and saw the game and anticipated things unlike any i mean if you're used to watching mls soccer you're certainly never going to see anything like that but but even amongst the greats you know i'm i'm an italian national team guy and and i just looked at him and go well we never had one of those that's that's just different and the world didn't have many of those but it was just incredible to see that match and to consider the two things that happened that match, that how they came together. It, it's just the circumstances are unreal. But but I got to tell you, I'm probably the, the least uh, worthy to speak of Maradona in this entire five of us that we've got here. You're never not worthy, Scarf. What are you talking about? Don't talk. You so are worthy, serious. Scarf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember 86. Uh, my father, my father's a huge Maradona fan. I remember when we all got wind of it, I we spoke right away and he was gutted. I mean, Maradona for him was like, um, I don't like, I don't know, like Patrick Ewing or, or Mike Piazza was for, for, for me, I guess. So we apparently we watched the 86 game, the hand of God England game. I don't recall it, but going back to the 1990 world cup, of course, I, I remember that. And I remember the build up to it. My dad explained everything to me about, um, it was, it was the semifinal game against Italy that I do recall watching with my dad. Uh, and he explained why all the Italians at the stadium were booing him and Maradona's association with Napoli and, and the statements that he made like that stuff like that. I remember. So that's, those are my Maradona moments that I, I do recall initially. And then of course you, who, who, who can't help but recall some of the crazy party stories that he's had. I mean, he's had, I mean, the guy basically lived a legacy off something he lived in his twenties for the longest time. Uh, I mean, it gutted me just because it gutted my father. And I've been on such a massive Maradona kick. I'm trying to go through the Maradona in Mexico series now on on Netflix. I, I finished half of them yesterday, and uh, I'm definitely going to finish the rest of them tonight. I mean, the guy's a freaking legend. I mean, some will argue it's amazing that he made it to sixty with all the all the demons that he battled. Uh, but I mean, that guy was an enigma and just such a fiery dude was all a five foot, nothing. I mean, his hair weighed more than most people did back in the days. Guy's a freaking rock star for lack of a better term. Yeah. Dweez, I want to hear your Maradona memory too, but before we jump on that, my cue was, uh, was wrong when, um, when uh, Phil mentioned Patrick Ewing, cause Patrick Ewing, this is okay. This is my point here. Okay. I was just raised to think that American sports icons are, pretty much the only American sports icons because you see like, so I'm very well-educated on Muhammad Ali, even though I've never seen him fight, right? Um, I I caught the end of Tyson, but I've never really, really saw him fight. And I, I kind of grew up around Jordan, right? So you understand that reality of it. And then um, when I started getting into football and soccer, uh, seeing Messi, a young Messi play, right? And all the comparisons started to come up again. And I had no idea who Maradona was, right? I, I saw a 19, 20 year old Messi, um, going against Getafe, that goal, right? That looks like the identical to the Maradona goal that he was, um, he stretches the entire field and then puts one away with his left. But um, I think um, after I saw that and I started becoming a bigger fan of global soccer, 
it's like it's like a gateway drug, right? You get a little <laughs> taste of what Champions League or La Liga looks like, and then all of a sudden, like you see fucking God come out on the pitch, this tiny dude, and all of a sudden you realize like your worldview is very small, and this game is older than than all of us, you know. And um, <laughs> I remember giving really gathering that perspective because. I was, you know, a newer fan to this and the one man that always came back to maybe Pele was a little older and the Brazilian team didn't get as much, you know, dramatic press as Maradona did, but is, uh, yeah, seeing Diego, Diego kind of the universe around him open up was like, wow, global football is the culture of sports. If you're ever, ever into sports and that, that's what has kept me hooked even now until uh, last year when I saw the HBO Napoli documentary with Diego, I fucking was blown away by yeah. how big of celebrity was when the Napoli fans are, are yelling for him through the gate when he's looking up, you know, underneath the tunnel. Yeah. And it's like, and, and it's, it, that's the kind of stuff that, um, that sports dreams are made of man. And the guy was living, breathing it for, for as long as he was. So, yeah. But, um, Dweez for you, what, like you've been, you've lived in Argentina, you've been around the game of football pretty much your whole life. Like, what does Diego Maradona mean to you? Well, first of all, the documentary, I think we should shout out to anyone listening. The one on HBO is just like, I don't care how you feel about anything. <laughs> I made, I made a night before Thanksgiving, I think it was, I made, you know, my roommates and people watch it who had, who have no interest in soccer. And they were like spellbound by that just a portrait of a human and what he went through and how mm. that period at Napoli was so representative of his whole life. Um, the filmmaker also made Senna. If you've ever heard of the documentary about the Brazilian race car driver, mm. which is also a phenomenal film. Um, I forget his name off the top of my head, but watch both of them. Definitely watch the Diego Maradona one. And Josh, I didn't actually live in Argentina. I spent some time there when I was living in Brazil. And I guess that's where, you know, the crux of those two countries colliding, the two, you know, world football behemoths as, as you could call them, Argentina and Brazil, where my, you know, early memories of Maradona come from. You know, of course, I like knew who he was and all those kinds of things when I was younger. But like what really solidified the importance for me, even before I went to Argentina, was uh, 2006 World Cup in Germany. I was uh, in, I believe I was in Cologne. Um where Argentina was playing Mexico in the first knockout round, I guess it was round of 16, it was the game where Maxi Rodriguez knocked, did, knocked Mexico out of the tournament. Um, and at that time, I was following Argentina, like I often do at the World Cups, due to the affinity of my friend who I go to the, the World Cups with. And, um, you know, there has been several times now, I guess two or three times where I've been on Argentine TV, um, and that was one of them because I was like, you know, in the whole get up on some like big sweaty dude's shoulders, like swinging my shirt around, like watching the game. I wasn't actually at the match, that particular match. We were at the fan fest and, you know, passing around the mate, like in the, in the crowd and everything. And, and the thing that you notice about being around Argentine national fans, I've talked about it several times on the pod in terms of like their passion and their just their the aesthetics of their support you could say um the creative ways they talk about things the one consistency is they almost always mention diego maradona in the songs that they sing and they almost always mention how much better than he is he is than pele um and so like it's always this versus and if i remember like in my life like the first ever big versus like who's better than who thing like it was always Maradona or Pele and um there couldn't be more different figures to compare and 
you know, the memories of that game, if I fast forward all the way to 2018, when you're there and, you know, he was at that Nigeria game, you know, that was the one where he was flipping everybody off. Like <laughs> yeah. after, after uh, Rojas, your man United voice scored, I was in the stadium Jesus. that time in Russia and St. Petersburg. And I remembered like the hysteria around the box where Maradona was. Um, so, you know, and I saw him coach in 2010 when he was head, the head of the Argentine national team, uh, in South Africa, watching against South Korea. I watched them that game. I watched the game against Mexico as well. Um, and it's, it's just like this figure that's like, it follows that country and th their support like no one else. Like, he, you know, he wasn't playing in the 2018 tournament, 2014 tournament, wasn't coaching in either of them either. But they're still singing about him. They're constantly singing about him. And the funniest part is the Brazilians also, who don't, in my view, have the same breadth of a of a song catalog against argentina that the argentines do against the brazilians they'll also mention maradona in their songs but it's nowhere near as creative and nowhere near as incendiary their big one against argentina is mil goals mil goals mil goals mil goals mil goals so pele so pele maradona chenador which means he's basically like a cokehead um, and, oh. Pele, and Pele scored Pele scored a thousand goals no one else has scored a, you know no one else scores a thousand goals he's you know he's better or whatever but um that sounds pretty gangster though I don't know <laughs> it's very but it's like routine you know it's like a routine rhythm we've heard a thousand times um mm. where like these other these other ones are these like sagas you know there's like these sagas of Maradona and what he did so it's, it's tough to over and I mean the amount of Maradona tattoos I've seen at these tournaments like you know the murals that you see when you're in Argentina I mean he's just yeah he's like a he was a living God. Now he's a deceased God, but I don't think that that will ever like, I could see like, you know, the world crumbling and there's still somehow like songs You're still singing about Maradona in Argentina, which I don't know that that exists maybe for any other sports figure of all time. You know, I'm not saying he's the best sports figure of all time, but I don't know that the affinity exists for any other sports figure quite like it, it exists for Diego Maradona. And you said it, it's a global thing. I mean, he's obviously beloved in, in Argentina, no doubt. When Panda and I went to uh, Italy in February, we cruised down to, to southern Italy. Like, we stopped on, on our way to the, um, oh, my God, why am I, to Positano. We obviously stopped through, you know, Naples. And, I mean, you could see the murals and the other stuff and the people selling all the Fugazi Maradona gear. And, and you know we played for Napoli. That Mars logo, like, that kid is is iconic. And, it's just crazy what, I mean, they, they, they refer to him as God. And even a country that's based on Catholicism that knows the Ten Commandments, you know, you can't put any God above, above me. <laughs> the Italians do it with Maradona. It's nuts. Slim, do you have a Maradona memory? Nothing vivid like that. So I, I'll, let's leave it at what you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but what did you think? I mean, you followed sports your whole life too, Slim, and like, just his insanity, his wildness. When you started to learn about his life, like, is there anyone you can compare him to in the uh, in the American sports world or even the American entertainment world? No, he's he's like Michael Jordan mixed with like, you know, one of these young rock stars, bro. You know, there. I don't think. Uh, I don't know. I guess he's Dennis Rodman. If Dennis Rodman was like a lot better. <laughs> 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 he's if he's if he's if Dennis Rodman and Michael Jordan had a baby. <laughs> yes, I would say. Do you think maybe this is uh, it's Diego, right? This is Maradona. Do you, I feel like Jordan gambled as much 
as Maradona did drug paraphernalia. What do you guys think? I, I feel like Jordan, the people under Mike was crazy. He was a devil. Yeah. You know, he's a demon. So I, I grew up a huge Jordan fan. I mean, I grew up a Lakers fan, but also there was something about Jordan, man, that just drew you in. There is no way that in the age of social media that we have right now, you can't sneeze without TMZ asking you if you have a cold, let alone to do any of the stuff that Jordan got away with. I mean, come on. He, the rumor is, right, that his father was killed because of a gambling debt. I mean, he, he openly talks about his gambling issues and all the other stuff that happened. He would he wouldn't have been able to survive in today's, you know, and that's, I think that's what makes Maradona that larger than life figure is because he lived his life in the public eye, but he also didn't try to, he, he didn't try to hide his demons. You know, he was yeah. exactly who he was no matter what. And Oh, by the way, he brought Argentina a cup. And, and I think that's something that gets overlooked so much is he, he literally brought them the cup, right? I mean, he, he was the golden ball winner, he, he had the the goal of the century in that tournament. He did everything he needed to do. And and they haven't had one since, despite having Messi and, and a team that was likely maybe better than what we saw with Argentina. But somehow Maradona was able to make it happen and lived his life literally caring less about what anybody else thought. And that's that's the biggest thing. He never changed who he was literally up until the day he died. I mean, they had to keep him in the hospital for longer after the brain surgery because he was having alcohol withdrawals. Like he did not stop living his life until he literally stopped living his life. It's like the Lenny of football. <laughs> Didn't give a fuck. Just kept doing his thing. Uh, well, and it's it's yeah. Go ahead. No, Spice, you got something. I hear you. You're staring off in contemplation. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I it's the adoration we have for these people, and I think it's it's a strange effect now that um, I think all of us here are older than much of the stars of the of the of the beautiful game, or even the American game, and in a lot of ways, right? So especially Phil. I mean, I. <laughs> Yeah, especially football. I mean, even we have so many young kids. But shout out BWP, who's uh, who's holding it down for all of us right, right now. But um, I think um, with Weez, you mentioned the 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 breadth of Maradona tattoos out there, and you know I've seen a lot, a ton of Kobe, a new Kobe tattoos this year as well. But like, man, I just want to talk about freaking sports tattoos and podcast tattoos. <laughs> I'm just like, that's what I'm obsessed with. Like you guys, I don't know, and Phil, I saw you, you got your yatted up all over your arm and stuff like that. And Dweez is um, never going to get a tattoo, but he keeps lying to us that he will. <laughs> he keeps baiting us with this false hope. <laughs> but I want to ask like, what um, does this club and does this city merit a new tattoo in your eyes, a, a sports podcast related tattoo in your, you guys' eyes? Does it make the Pantheon? So let's let's start with we've been around three years as a club that plays football on a pitch, right? Mm. And and I think the merits the tattoo is the iconic look that that Art Deco LA kind of feels, right? It feels like 1930s LA. It feels like City Hall looks. It feels like you've been told that LA used to be by your you know great grandparents or grandparents who might have been here. And I think to me. The, the colors, the look, the everything. If you're getting the the LA that we have on our hat, the I don't know if I like the shape of the crest actually as much as as some people do. It kind of reminds me of like a old timey sheriff's badge a little bit there. But but I think <laughs> the the logo, yeah. 
lettering, that like iconic art deco style. I can totally see why people would want to get it. I, I do um I do want to say I the part of we've done 130, 131 episodes after mm. after we have you guys on. And the most mind-blowing thing of doing a podcast at all is that we got a picture a couple of months ago when we were talking about Philly getting the Defenders of the Bank logo tattooed on his body, which he has still yet to do. So another moment to call him out on that. That would be great if uh, if that happens at some point. I know Philly COVID is kind of a thing right now. I got you. But, you know, you're, you're back on the hook in a little bit. We had one of our listeners email us a picture of our logo on his body. And I will tell you that my mind was blown. Like, yeah. wait, like our podcast logo, it's, are you kidding me? Like, talk about things that I never thought would be worthy for a tattoo for anybody. Are you kidding yeah. me now? Like, <laughs> the most mind-blowing moment that I think I've had doing this entire podcast is the, the Instagram picture of, yeah, you better tell Philly he's going to be second now with the Defender's <laughs> tattoo on his arm. I was like, what are you talking about? Unreal. Yeah, I mean, and look, it, it had like the, the the LA skyline in the background of it too. It just, it kind of reminded me of like the bat signal going up uh, in Gotham City. Like that's the way the tattoo was was portrayed. And it's not that I, I don't want to get the tattoo. I mean, if you know me, like I'm, I have a ton of tattoos. I just haven't gotten around to do it because, well, like you said, forget forget the COVID hit, but it's like, you know, financial uncertainties. I got a mortgage to pay. You know, I already have a, a soccer coat. I already have a jersey addiction. I can't go back to the tattoo one just yet, but I will get a Defenders logo. I do want an LAFC logo. In fact, the one thing I would love to do, like right on the forearm, just get the wing from like elbow to wrist. I always thought that would be a really, really cool thing to do. And I think I said it last year. Um, I was preparing, like if they would win the cup with the star, I would actually get the logo tattooed right where it would be if I was wearing, you know, a, a jersey right above my heart with, with a star, which I'd still intend to fully do. I mean, what LAFC has given me personally, forget the whole sports supporter and fandom thing. LAFC gave me gave me a life in L.A. Um, I mean, I moved here with with my with Panda in 16. We didn't know anybody here. We didn't know anybody at all. We just took career moves and, and came out here. But LAFC gave me a place that like a place I could call home, a, a social network. I mean, my best friend here is that dude with a scarf in his background. I hang out with him all the time. And my wife's best friend is is his significant other. Uh, and, and talking to you guys, none of this would have happened had it not been for LAFC. So for me, it, it integrates me into L.A. It was my way of not being a fair weather fan because I still have all my New York sports teams. Uh, but L, you know, I came through right around the time LAFC came through and it, it means a lot to me. So to have that crest tattooed on my body, I have no problems doing it. I just got to get around to it. I do want to ask you guys, I've seen a lot of the founding members of the 3252 with that 3252 tattoo. And I think that's, that's a really cool thing. I think, yeah. that, you know, for, for me to see a, a lot of our founders of that, that's such a, I mean, that's the seminal cheering section, you know, club of that's, that's what every, not just MLS club out there, but so many other clubs from the world wish they had a group of people that cheered the way that our fans that in the 3252 in the North end represent each and every game. I mean, away games, home games, parking lots, like you name it, like they're, they're coming on strong to me. I also love the fact that so many of them own the, they take a piece of the North end with them wherever they go with that 3252 tattoo. I think that's real cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I love that. I, I have one myself. I was an alternate that was lucky enough to to go when uh, when Sujin dropped out the first time. So so I, I did get added there. But um, yeah, it's I mean, what you guys are saying is, is spot on. It's, um feel like this like I'm new. I'm new to this town, this city, too. Right. This is not where I was born. This is not where I'm from, which is why, like when I see people where like, all the born and raised stuff, I have uh, I think it's the dopest logo, right? The born and raised Rams stuff, the Lakers stuff. That's sick. There's even some rumors that there might be an LAFC thing maybe in the works because they all the people working in marketing love that brand so much. But I couldn't I couldn't wear rock that hat. I couldn't rock the sweater because that's not who I am. You know, Phil, Phil and I are loyal to the losers that we love. So that's you know, that's that's kind of where we are with that. As, as I talk from this puke orange, uh, this jump around <laughs> we're in. But um, there's something about the, the community and the friendships this has provided is, you know, like it's it's invaluable man and so if i have to ink up my entire body to to show some kind of weird um weird loyalty and uh, love and admiration for this thing then it's it's a good trade-off but i mean phil i feel i know I, I the defender's tattoo is coming for you for scarf for <laughs> papa scarf over there i kind of imagine you know just just huge <laughs> chest piece chest piece of uh you know the bank and ollie <laughs> flying around it and maybe the logo in, in like a because I think that's what really what the listeners the are 80s across the top of my stomach, you know, maybe defenders. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> fucking like Tupac the Thug Life, but fucking defenders, defend this, you know, like that's fucking fire, bro. I love so, it. So Philly brought up a little a little bit of his origin into LA story. And I've, I was, I've been curious, and you guys, maybe in that very first episode when you talked, you know, talked about starting the podcast together, but I'm curious about you guys' first meeting ever. And sort of how your friendship started. Um, I, I think it might just have been like coincidental that you guys were in the same part of the stadium with your season tickets, but walk us, walk us back through that for the people who maybe haven't heard that first episode or just don't remember the tale. Well, well let's back up a second. Actually, my, my first moment meeting him was because of his wife. I were, we were at the Walker Zimmerman meet and greet event at the like old offices underneath the bridge for, for LAFC. And all I remember is I'm standing in line. I've talked about this with Philly and I'll say it again. I don't remember Philly one bit, but I remember there was this blonde with this like bleach blonde hair in a white LAFC Walker Zimmerman jersey. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's somebody here with like an actual LAFC Walker Zimmerman jersey already. Like this was before we had played a game, before we had done anything like for a year. And and that turned out to be Philly's wife that I remember meeting her and I'm behind her and talking with don't remember Philly at all, but he was apparently there, too. But uh, <laughs> but that was the first time we actually met. And I laugh about it all the time. Like, what are the chances that out of 22,000, 20, almost 23,000 seats in that stadium that five rows apart for four rows apart from each other in the same exact section that that we would have even sat that close to each other, let alone the fact that you get a, a born and raised New Yorker who's loud and obnoxious and a <laughs> born and raised Angelino who's loud and obnoxious because his family is all from New York. We're both diehard Mets fans. We're both passionate about sports. We both found a love of football and our city through LAFC, the likes of which we never thought we would. And, and we were just louder and more obnoxious and kind of ridiculous in our section. I mean, I, I will scream and cheer at anything. I don't even care. Like we have such a good time in Founders. And then to look over and to find a kindred spirit literally over my left shoulder was unbelievable to me. We met for the first time, probably three or four games into the season. And we were just sitting there talking and Founders 
Um, it, it was it was probably the the crew that we hang with. Like there's there's a, a set of twin brothers that that sit right by us. There's uh, literally a pastor from Arizona and and his daughters who who come to the game and and his family and everything. And it's it's just this awesome kind of crew that bred. I mean, we all at the end of the season got these Founders eighteen jerseys at the end of the first season just because it was like a it, it was a this kinship this this closeness that we all felt with each other. And, and it was all his fault, Dweez, um, that he kept pulling me and pulling me going, dude, you, we got to do a podcast. Come on, man. We both, we can't shut up. We both love this club. We were talking so much about, about LAFC and everything else. And, and I was like, dude, I'm a teacher. It does me no good to be on social media <laughs> ever. There is no way. And oh, by the way, I teach some families of the galaxy owners and everything too, or at least I did at the time. And, and so I had to be super careful. Now I'm, now I'm supporting, first of all, I could care less. I, I, the galaxy had, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. The galaxy had since 96 to lure me in as a fan. And I got to go to all kinds of fun matches and I didn't pay very much for much of my tickets when I went and they, they had 25 years, couldn't do it. So black and gold all the way through, but it was this man. And it was at the end of our first season when finally uh, we were, we were listening to something else. And I said, no, we, we got to tell our story. We got to do this. I called up Philly. He said, he said, yo, scarf, just listen. And actually, I don't even think I was scarf back then, but whatever. <laughs> he said, just listen to this little clip. And I listened to it and I was like, no, no, no. No, this is not the story of the black and gold that we want to tell. We got to tell our own story. And it was all because of Philly, who literally months before had been like, dude, we got to do this. It's well, funny that you yeah. remember my wife was the one with the bleach blonde hair, because during that time period, I, too, had bleach blonde hair. Oh, God. <laughs> we just need to ignore you at that point. <laughs> yeah, it was, that's um, probably why he doesn't remember. He blocked it out of his memory. He was like, ah, let's forget about that part. Right. Well, look, if, the, it, the, if, it's, if it's Peter Panda... If it's somebody looking at me, somebody looking at Panda, she's definitely going to be the more memorable one. I mean, I uh, I'm humble enough to acknowledge that. But it's no, funny, you, like, did you, looking, did, you uh, did you dye your eyebrows as well, or is it just the, the top of the head thing? No, it's the top of the head thing. But I did do something like that right before my senior prom in high school. I even did the goatee, uh, everything. I mean, I'm a rock band, man. I've had my hair dyed and cut all kinds of fucking weird ass ways. <laughs> I wasn't going to do the eyebrows again, though. Um, I we we. Gone, we, we had like a two week honeymoon. We went to Singapore and Bali for a couple of weeks. So I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to do something cool with my hair. I work in finance. I never get to let my freak flag show anymore. So I just said, fuck it and dyed my hair. <laughs> it was, uh, it was yeah. fun while it lasted. He's talking about him and Amanda, by the way, not him and I in that. Oh, no, no, no. So <laughs> oh, it's sorry, funny. I was looking at like some of the archives. Not. I was looking at some of the archive photos from like the very, very first match against the Sounders. Uh, and I, I, there's a nice picture of Jr. And he's and he has that. I think it was an Expo shirt, like the one that had like the ACDC looking font, mm. but it said LAFC on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, we became friends. Uh, I mean, Mets fans, uh, just like Knicks fans that we find each other, we commiserate together. Um mm. But that friendship was really interesting. So and it developed really, really quickly where the idea for the pod really like hit. And I've said this on, on, on a couple of other occasions. You watch those VH1 behind the music specials and you hear about these bands and they're like, it's like, like a Guns N' Roses. When we got in the studios like lightning, like in a bottle, like it was amazing. We just knew right then and there you hear the cliche, but you never really understand it until it happens to you. And it mm -hmm. actually happened to the both of us. 
season one, anytime Tyler Miller would make a save, I would yell really loud, Tyler! And JR would yell, Miller! And so that was our thing. Um, you know, we didn't, nobody stands up in really cheers and founders. You guys got a three, two, five, two. It's, it's two, it's us two. That's the only people who cheer in founders. And so. It's still when, louder than Carson though. <laughs> no, oh, no doubt. Hey. Definitely a little louder than quiet squad. But the moment where the idea hit me for whatever reason, Tyler got beat. I forget who we were playing, but the shot rattled off the goalpost. And we didn't practice this. We didn't choreograph it. It was just one of those things that came out. I'm like, like Jr. Goal! And he yelled. He he looked at he looked at the goal and he looked at me and he just yelled post. And I'm scratching my head, going, "There's that lightning in a bottle." Like we were on the same mental wavelength. I didn't tell him what to say. He he all he just knew to freaking rattle it off. And I pestered him, and I pestered him, and I pestered him a hell of a lot more. And then I tried to bribe him. Um, and then it, it finally happened. And it's become the source of many memories, many joys. I mean, I hang out with him uh, more than more than anybody else. But the thing I love the most, though, is like Amanda and Nina, they're they're so tight. They have their own podcast with with angels. How awesome is that? Seriously. I, I, I love that when they when we're our, we're a pod fan within our own pod fan, because for us, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about, hey, you know, it's really cool. But, you know, you guys are lucky that your your women like are supportive and all right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm fortunate that I picked the right partner that I had things in common with, but when we get together to do a podcast, it's never a pain in the ass for those two because they just start, they just start drinking wine, whether it's boxed or in a bottle or, or for somewhere else, they're out having their own like shits and giggles while we're in here recording. And then when we're done recording, we all have our own shits and giggles. So it's just, it's like a family fun night. It's, we do what we do anyway, except we have a microphone together. Well, and you know, one other thing I, I do want to say is we we both realize how lucky we are that that's the case, right? Uh, we've talked to several other people that are either trying to do podcasts or trying to start their own small business or whatever it is, and and they're really going out there on their own. They don't really have the the support or at least the like we have like full throated head first full <laughs> support of of our significant others, right? And that's something that I, I don't know how many people enjoy that, but we do, and we are so incredibly lucky for that. And we don't ever once take that for granted. That's something that has been so incredibly important for us. The other thing, and I don't share this part of our story very much, but this is a, this is a fun one for you guys because we love you guys. So we're also big Family Guy fans. And we we kind of yes. took our in. I said, look, Philly, if we're going to do <laughs> He knows what I'm about to tell. If we're going to do this, we, we got to be like, different. We got to figure out like our shtick, right? Like we can't just be, oh, Christian and JR, two white guys that sit in founders. Yeah, that, that would go over well with the football community. No, but we decided we were talking about it. And we're like, dude, remember that thing on Family Guy, Weenie? No, and the no. Is this what? Oh, God. <laughs> and and we kind of joke like Philly and the scarf. It's like we butt, but Philly and the scarf. <laughs> Kevin and Bean out here on K-Rock for years and years and years. It's like, we just wanted that like extra layer that kind of set us apart a little bit. And so from Weenie and the Butt, there came Philly and the Scarf. Yeah, And that's yep. for you guys. I thought y'all were going to go <laughs> Dingo and the, the Baby butt. over here. That's what I remember that show. <laughs> sure, that was another great one for sure. But yeah, no, Weenie and the Butt. Fucking hell. You know, what, you know what's funny, bro, is like, initially like i get it because y'all came out so polished we always talked about that from from the jump because y'all were even uh, ahead of us when we we're <clears throat> before we recorded and then dweez is called dweez like that's just like 
everyone knows him by Dweez. Slim is called Slim. And then right. so we'd be like, this is Dweez, Slim, and fucking Joshua over here. The good old fucking spirit of Israel, Joshua over here. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, like this is, you do need, you do need kind of a present. And I, I think we're all pretty legitimate. We're all real when we're on the podcast, whichever one it is. But like, yeah. you do need a little, uh, you do need a little flair. You do need a little extra. So I understand you. The family guy stuff, maybe right. not so much, but I, I get where it comes from, bro. It's a place of love. <laughs> I I have a really really deep love for for eighties hair metal. I mean, it's because I'm old. Jr. likes to remind me. So I loved Motley Crue. If I ever wanted to be in any band, it would have been Motley Crue. And the whole character concept creation. I think back to like you know my time loving Motley Crue. Nikki Six was such a badass name. But would Nikki Six be cool if he went on stage as Frank Ferrano from Idaho? Nah, it doesn't have like the same moxie, doesn't have the same mustard, the same pizzazz, the same balls. So yeah. it's it's kind of cool to come out with a with, with an alter alter ego. The funny thing about Scarf though is he had the nickname for a while. People would yell at him, but anytime match day would come along and we'd see on the jumbotron scarves up, the only guy in the stadium who wouldn't have a scarf up is the one who has the fucking nickname. <laughs> Well, as as you guys mentioned, there's no reason to have scarves in L.A., especially in March and April and May when it's like 115 degrees. And I don't know if you guys have seen me, but I, I'm I'm not I'm not slim. Like, you know, it's it's a it's a thing. I'm, I mean, I'm actually more like slim that we have here. Hey, fluffy gang, fluffy gang, fluffy gang. Absolutely. <laughs> And so can you imagine, I sweat in the snow wearing shorts, let alone put me in the middle of <laughs> 2,000 people with a scarf on my neck when it's 85 degrees. So, But now we, we have our, this guy right up here, right behind me, has been to every match since uh, like mid-2018. So, Yeah, I mean, it's the same for me, but by the time the match starts, I don't know if I'm sweating because of the scarf or the alcohol, so it's just all <laughs> systems go. It's both. I'm with you. I'm right there. <laughs> Sure. Sam, Sam, do you miss being fucking drunk around people? Like, do you miss that 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 part of it? Yeah, yeah, that's probably the like. I don't miss the process of getting drunk or how I feel after, but being drunk around people is like it's kind of my thing, man. New York Slim. You'll never be Seattle Slim, but New York Slim was going hard in the paint. Oh, while, man. While, 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 uh, talking shit about New York. When, yeah, because my host like didn't show me shit. <laughs> I was hungover, okay. I was throwing up. I was you very excited. It's harder to be back when home. you don't have a phone, bro. And that's kind of what happened to me, unfortunately. But fortunately, that day, like that weekend, I just the phone broke the first day, and <laughs> no distractions. You just go. <laughs> that's awesome. Should we take our Should we take a quick break and get back and talk about the differences between the coasts or what? Let's do it. Good to me. As long as we don't talk about fucking in and out, I'm good. We love <laughs> in and out. We're not gonna argue about it today. Bye. <laughs> yeah, we'll go pizzas against tacos this time. We're back here. FCFC podcast. It's always so awkward because I'm looking right at Slim, Slim, who laughs at me for doing the intro again. But we're here with uh, with Philly and Scarf, and I wanted to ask, what's in a name? A podcast by any other name is just as sweet. 
Let's fucking talk about the fucking name change, y'all. Is this is this gonna happen? There's a lot of shit in the works. We might get a new sponsor next year. We definitely need a fucking new sponsor for our stadium next year. So the defenders of the bank has triple, quadruple meanings. When I heard it for the first time, I'm like, okay, it's one of those. You can see the shallow end of it, or you can go real deep and get really weird on it. And then it makes sense. And now you're 130 some odd episodes in. The fucking, the club selfishly, selfishly decides to give up naming rights again. Where the fuck do you guys stand? Where are you guys going next? Toyota Center Defenders. So when I came up with the name and and we were talking about it, we were at where were we at? Was in in LA Live? What is that? What is that little place that we were at? Oh, uh, uh, Fudge, Lucky Strike, Bowling know. Alley. It's a fran. Well, it's a franchise like it. Oh God, they have one in Vegas. Yard House. No. Um. Uh, Tom Zerbin. We were at Tom Zerbin. Tom Zerbin, yes. Sure. Oh. An official LAFC bar who had no clue the game was going on then, by the way. There for an away match because we, we didn't travel. We were there for an away match and we walk in and they go, wait, what are you talking about? I had no idea that. Thanks for that one. That was great. But they, they put it on. It was cool. We made it happen. I'm sitting there. I was like, dude, what about just defenders of the bank? And when you think that a team has 30-year naming rights to a stadium, you're pretty set, right? Like, all right. <laughs> This is perfect. We, we got it. We don't have to think about this again for 30 years. And I'm not going to lie, if we're still doing this exact same thing in 30 years, uh, we might have to have a little talk about it. But but that nah, we're still doing it. That that <laughs> three years in, we got 10% of the way there. And, and they're already talking that everything has to change, right? The Bank of California pulls out of their end of the agreement. I know LAFC has like a year or two to, to figure things out, but I know they want to get it figured out. Look, we, we've thrown around so many iterations of so many different things, but I think it's going to be one of those things where uh, we kind of joke about how the name came around. It was almost like like Noah's Arcade. Like, oh, I just woke up today and <laughs> World. just said it. It was Noah's Arcade. And, and I think that's going to have to be what happens with whatever the next iteration is. But, but I do have this thing. Philly and I have talked about it. The, it'll always be the bank for the OGs that have mm-hmm. been there since mm. 2016, 17, 18, right? So there's almost some sort of poetic justice in keeping it. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the idea. I mean, we, we, we could always chop off of the bank at some point and just keep defenders. I mean, it doesn't sound as great as defenders of the bank. But just like Scarf said, I like the idea. Maybe five, ten years down the road, you know, somebody happens to ask, well, why are they called defenders of the bank? And somebody can go, well, because that was the name of the stadium back in the day. And he's right. It has like a certain poetic, poetic thing to it. Um, you know, to quote, you know, Wayne's world, like Scarf was doing, you know, we contract or no, we will not bow down to any sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we are doing this within 30 years, bro, we're going to have to work on some more like pop culture references. Cause I feel sometimes when you and I make some of these pop culture references, especially <laughs> fucking Wayne's world, there's some 12-year-old kid that we know is listening to the shows thinking, what the hell are these guys talking about? Oh, Philly, it's okay. In about five years, they're going to remake it. It won't matter. They'll, they'll just have a new way to <laughs> everything else right now. So we're They just came out with the Bill and Ted uh, face the music, right? So, I mean, it's possible, y'all. Y'all still got a shot. Right? <laughs> Nothing new is coming out in the world. <laughs> nope. The I mean, Mike kinda... Myers hive just gets real stronger after after 15 years, you know, it just comes back with a vengeance. Right. I mean, it kind of still goes back to the 2000s. You remember like the 05 era when you had rappers like Fabulous come on. Everything was throwback this, throwback that. It's been that way for a really, really long time. Mitchell and Ness was huge back in the day. Everybody was rocking Mitchell and Ness gear. And mm. I mean, you drive by Warner Brothers today. They've got some like new re- re- reiteration of Thundercats coming on. I mean, creativity 
is lacking in, in, in a lot of ways, but you know, such is life. Or nostalgia is just profitable. I don't know which. Right. Well, uh, yeah, that, that's good too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we were just talking about the bank and the potential name change. The physical location, I think, uh, is what remains and something we all care deeply about. And you guys know, and we will have you in the backyard at some point over here in Expo Park. But I was curious, first of all, where do you guys record? Because I never really hear, I don't think much about it. And then two... <laughs> Where do you guys where do you guys hang in LA? I mean, let's get let's get let's escape the 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 pod verse for a second. Let's let's talk about these cities that we live in. Maybe we'll talk a little about New York a little later. I know Josh wants to. I know there's Philly no escape wants, from but, the pod verse. Uh, yeah, where do you guys where do you guys hang? Where do you record? What what's give us a little behind the scenes action into the defenders' lives and uh, hear a little bit more about how you guys spend time in this town that we all love. We joke about world famous Philomonster Studios in beautiful Burbank, California, right? right? We, uh, we we say that on pretty much every podcast. It is a a small guest bedroom or, or guest room in uh, in Casa de la Philly out there on uh, on Buena Vista Boulevard in Burbank. That's normally where we record if we are around each other. But in the COVID times and in the strange times that we live, indeed, uh, my uh, my humble abode is in Lawndale, California, which borders you know, both uh, Hawthorne and Inglewood and, and Manhattan Beach and all that down here in the South Bay. So, um, and and if there's a visual component, this is what this is what we have in the background. This is my fanciness. I got some blinds and a defender scarf. So we, I, I record in Lawndale. Uh, Philly came up with a fantastic, you can't give yourself your own nickname, which I appreciate that Philly gave me this one, the, the mouth of the South Bay. <laughs> I kind of dig that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> It's hard to publicize a nickname like that when when you know you're you're talking about it yourself, but I love it. I think it's kind of fun. I, I'm born and raised in the South Bay, grew up in Torrance, uh, live in Lawndale now. Um, went to Loyola High School right here in LA, and so my whole life has been in and around either the South Bay or West LA, where where uh, I I you know went to school and had a lot of friends and everything. Uh, I got to tell you, for we're talking about recommendations, where we hang out, what we do. It's just ridiculous to have the beach here five minutes down the road from me. I mean, it's, I live right off of Manhattan Beach Boulevard and you take Manhattan Beach Boulevard literally all the way down to the pier and you want to talk about places to hang out. I mean, good day, bad day, doesn't matter. Driving five minutes west to get your toes in the sand and to feel that sea spray and just kind of hang at the beach. I, I don't know how people that live in the middle of this country do it to not be able to see water waves to feel that i mean that's that's where i would hang but i mean if we're talking food places we got lists and lists of stuff if we're talking just you know spots and all that i'm i'm all i'm born and raised angelino so for me this is the biggest small city in the world a lot of the places where we would go hang though and the thing i love is uh i mean there's only so many places one can go to that's new in town. You know, you could read whatever list of places to go, but it's fantastic to have somebody like Scarf, who's a born and raised Angelino, because I've seen some places in, in bars and restaurants that I, I probably would have never found on my own accord. So we definitely hop around a lot. When we first started really hanging, though, the funny thing is, like, we were so obsessed with it. We spent most of our time hanging out at free play because it was a nice in-between for all of us. We, we mm. loved having those Julius Pepper shots. And whether there was 100 people or, or, or two people, we just really liked going to free play. We liked hanging out there a lot. And, you know, it's, it sucks that we can't go to free play. It sucks that free play doesn't really have much of a life. It wasn't going to have much of a life even if we weren't in COVID times. But 
you know, go hanging out with him is, is fun. And I, I, I can't hang with him. This guy dr- out drinks me. Like oh. we're two hours into our, our binge. I'm ready to like curl up in the back seat of his Ford focus. And he's like, no, nah, come on, man. Let's go to this, this, this other place by Manhattan beach. And just like no more alcohol. Well, let's, let's twist, let's twist the knife a little bit. I mean, if it weren't COVID times uh, and things we could all be doing together, Jr. What are some of your what are your some some of your haunts some of the places you've taken Philly to that um that have always been reliable for you for, right. for our listeners so they so they know more about you guys this uh this might come as a shock to many of you but I am not fancy and uh, so when it comes to to places that I like to hang out they're usually a little more divey a little more low key a little more laid back and uh, one of the last places that we got to go one of my high school and college and and right after haunts was a. a a place at the end of Culver Boulevard in Playa del Rey called The Shack. And and it's this cheesy little surfy dive bar. They've got karaoke a couple nights a week, and it's the same 15 people that sing karaoke. And, and for a long time, <laughs> one of them. Uh, I do a little uh, Paul Revere by the Beastie Boys was our go-to. We had a couple of us that uh, they would get up there and do some Paul Revere. But they've got uh, they've got incredible salads and burgers, and then all of a sudden it turns into like five dollar pitcher night, and all of a sudden it's two o'clock, and and you got to find your next spot to go, and that's it's walking distance to the beach right there. So the shack in Playa del Rey was definitely the spot, and then I, I just started taking Philly to uh, my buddy owns a restaurant in Culver City called Harajuku Tap Room. And Harajuku Tap Room, fantastic small plates, sake. I, I do, as Philly will tell you, I enjoy the sake from time to time. Um, small plate sushi. Uh, they have like bared beer and a couple of other good things on tap as well as uh, as all kinds of good stuff there. So, so those are the two like kind of old reliable spots recently that I'll hit up all day. And one last place that I'll, I'll throw out there too, Ayara Thai Restaurant in Westchester is just the best Thai place. I mean, look, there are there are other Thai places that are a little more authentic. There's like your, your Jitladas and a couple of others in, in LA, they're just unreal. But for like 12 bucks on a Wednesday night, when you're looking for a place to have just chilled Thai food, they're only doing to-go orders right now. They don't even have a, a little parklet or anything set up. But Ayara Thai in Westchester, uh, Philly and I went there and, and we've just been, we've been all over the place, man. It's, it's fun to take this guy all over LA. Yeah, it's Lincoln Brewing Company is another place we've actually spent a little time at. Lincoln Brewing is actually not far from the the Burbank Airport. And if I'm not mistaken, it's the same brewing company that does those Danny Trejo beers. We've been hanging out there a fair amount as well. And the girls love, you know, we, we spend a lot of time in the Valley too. Um, the girls love their wine. It's a place on San Fernando called Urban Press Winery. If you're into wine, really fantastic place just on the main strip. And uh, they have some pretty decent pizza there too. Got some sushi, all, some pizza, some wine, some beer. Love it. Hey, do you guys like host a podcast or something? Like that was like really um that was <laughs> above and beyond. That's awesome. <laughs> I yeah, do want to say, oh, I do right. say quick. I do want to say quickly. I think last year at this exact moment, almost the same week, I was in the shack. Uh, <laughs> as someone as someone who was who went to Loyola Marymount University, both the shack and I, Araya, Ayara, Ayara Thai. Both those two plays are both very familiar to me as with all the things in Westchester um, in Playa del Rey area. But uh, freshman year, guys, Crans dormitory, Dweez Rosecrans, freshman year. Dude, Whalen. I was Whalen, brother. <laughs> right, across the, right across the way, man. I right love across it. the way. I, I Apple like Puff. Raven's Claw. I probably met uh, uh, JR at like several occasions in our lives, I'm sure. Um, 
over the over the years in the on the west side where you know all my family lives and my dad went to Loyola High School all my cousins I went to Loyola High School for five years of summer school so there you have it yeah um but I did want to say why don't we just get in the fucking you know private jet right now that we're all going to get with all this podcast dollars <laughs> and fly to New York uh because I want a redo of New York I know Slim wants a redo of New York our host when we were in New York uh happened to I don't know. He fell asleep. He got hung over. He lost his phone. We don't know what happened. We went out to see a LAFC game. Didn't get to do much in New York. My mom's from New York. I've spent some time there, but, but Philly, Josh, if we were in New York, where, where would you guys take us and where, uh, you know, among those places, would you not find a comparable uh, comparison in LA somewhere that you just can't, you can't get, get here, some item you can't get, what, what have you bring us, bring us to New York, bring us to New York. <laughs> cricket, cricket, cricket. They, they, uh, no, they both got the, the hand on the chin thinking face going on. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing about it is, you know, the, the, God, like things change all the damn time in the city and places that I used to frequent back, even when I was in a band, you know, they, they were gone. A lot of the, I used to hang out in a lot of music places, like being in a band, like CBGB is no longer there. It's, it's now John Barbados. Um, so many different places. <laughs> that is fucking change. Oh yeah, so many places. Uh, like Kenny's Castaway, another place that we would go jam and see bands. Like that's gone. There's, there's a plethora of places. The one place that I know that is a constant, and I always end my night there. And a lot of the reasons is because my cousin lived around the corner. There's this bar on 63rd and First, which is perfect for uh, for me because I could hop, I could hop the train, get home to 86th. In, in two seconds or the years I lived on Roosevelt Island, I would take that cable car just like you'd see in the original Spider-Man and, and, and hop over to Roosevelt Island and get home that way. But this bar got a lot of history to it. The movie Cocktail. Have you guys seen that flick? If you have, yes, but I don't remember it that way. if you have where Tom Cruise's character meets like the Irish dude, they're working at a TGI Fridays. It's actually that bar Baker Street on 63rd and 1st. And we knew the bartenders. So we when, when New York nightlife would shut down around 4 a.m. And so when that would come on, when 4 a.m. would be there and everybody would be out, he'd lock the door and we would drink pints of Guinness till the sun would rise. And being the massive, massive fan I am, we would just just pissed drunk on 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 guinness and just listen to oasis on this jukebox and then we'd go around the corner to to a diner which i don't know if it's still there there was a bar right up the road where sir alex ferguson actually used to hang out at because his apartment in new york city was right around the upper east side there you might see sir alex from time to time but we would go to a diner and then come back 8 30 kickoff because they would be open for all the premier league games and then we would hang out there all the time. So Baker Street on 63rd and 1st, I know is a staple. Um, a lot of the divey places I used to, again, love and, and hang out at, they're, they're no longer there. And I'm not really a club guy. <laughs> I've never been into the unsa unsa. I like more, uh, I like more music played with, with string instruments. And they're all, and all the cool places are gone. Arlene's Grocery. Hey, there's another one I t- totally forgot about. Arlene's Grocery is a dope-ass spot. Um, Right, like the uh, right in the Soho area, fucking cool place to go check out bands and 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 get cheap beer and just party. And then, God, pizza—that's that, that's a whole other topic. But Spice, you hit us up with some of your New York spots. Sure, um, I will say I got to start off with 
So my cousins have been and I have been trying to do a, a yearly Christmas pizza tour because <clears throat> now most of us live across the country and we get to kind of visit each other um, back to Jersey and New York um, for Christmas time. So we last Christmas time, we went to finally went to uh, DeFaro's and DeFaro's was incredible. Man. DeFaro's was the the the. The lady and the guy inside are just as fucking batshit crazy as um, all everyone writes about and talks about. Like they're insane, but somehow the kookiness and the New York water make make this beautiful fucking uh, this beautiful experiment work, man. The Faras um, was incredible. They they put some olive oil on that shit, which is fire. Um, my thing, if you're trying to hit up, this is what New York has. You can walk and talk and see everything. And you guys know, yep. Josh Spice loves to shop. Josh Spice loves to shop. So Josh is in Soho. Josh is in Soho, NoHo, Nolita area. We go to Princey Pizza. We start off there. Princey Pizza is very close to Eileen's Cheesecake. So you could do a little takeaway of a slice. Um, so right now you're, you're just, you got a cheesecake in one hand. You got a, you got a pepperoni square slice in the other. And I'm walking to NoHo, New York to, um, to look at some, some high priced amenities and goods. Um, doing that and then um, essentially walking up and down. So I got to check out the Nike lab there. I do think the Nike lab there is, is one of the, the big touchstones of retail shopping in the fucking world. So we'll check out what they're doing, doing on that spot. And then you go into um, some of the department stores there, some of the cooler kid shit there. A lot of um, Japanese outposts of Japanese luxury brands end up there on um, there on either Bond Street or there, I think on Varick. And so you got to check out there. And I think it's just fun, man. Like you don't have to fucking get in a car. And so you're, you're enjoying walking, enjoying a little air, no matter how fucking cold it is. And, um, I would, you know, what's stupid, bro. It's because I like in Queens and in Jersey, you're kind of far from the city always. And so I go nuts for nuts, bro. I get those honey roasted fucking peanuts every chance I fucking get. And I'm walking around with a fucking grip of those guys walking around. And then I usually end up one of my spots. I, I'm a hotel person, a hotel bar person. I end up at either um, the Ace Hotel or there's a new one. Now I'm fucking uh, forgetting. There's a, there's a LA version of it too. Um, I'll drop in the recommends, but they have a beautiful third floor bar I end up at. Um, and then by the time, Phil, you're saying 4 a.m., right? So around 3 a.m., you walk to K, K Block, right? It's not K Town. Yep, right, yep. I used to work right there, 1250 Broadway, right oh, at real? the beginning of uh, just right across from the Manhattan Mall. I used to always, God, I don't remember the name of the the the, uh, the, the karaoke place we used to go to. It was so it was so crazy. You'd run through this like sketchy hallway. You'd go oh, yeah. up on a freight elevator. All of a sudden, this immaculate bar. Oh, you know, K Street was awesome, man. I yeah, love yeah. hanging out there. It's so we fucking love sketch. having like elaborate like eccentric things at the end of shady hallways and elevators oh, for sure. for it's sure. definitely a korean thing oh my god yeah shout out fucking um i mean yeah shout out like my friend ben used to work at this bar called third floor for fucking forever and it was such a it was so bad it was a toxic environment but we uh, it, it was horrible people got into fights every fucking night but because one of the bouncers was bald and liked us we like we just kept on going back and back and um yeah, Kate, that's that's the crazy thing because it shuts down at four and Asian businesses are skirt the law a little bit. We shut down at like four thirty or five. And so feel like you're saying you wait like forty-five minutes and people start to open up again that are like restaurants and breakfast spots if you don't have a twenty-four hour diner near you. So yeah, that's it. The proximity shit, I'm hitting on multiple neighborhoods, usually on the lower low, lower east side to Soho and into Koreatown. That's kind of my vibe. 
I don't remember the name of the joint, but I think it was like a hot dog stand where you would walk in, you would go to the phone booth, you'd pick up the phone and you'd go to the guy on the other end. Is yeah. there room? And he'd say, yeah, then he'd let you in some other back door. What was the name of it? Was that um, milk and honey? Maybe, maybe it was. No, I don't know. Well, that guy owned a bunch of shit around the city. Okay. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, if it was people Mil- love the fucking the speakeasy fucking shit, too. Yeah, <laughs> there was I, a I lot know. of those off of Delancey Street, too. I remember um, you go to the website, you get the secret word. And it was like a, like a 20 speakeasy where like think like Roger Rabbit. Some dude slides a thing. <laughs> what's the password? And then yeah, you yeah. say they let you in. All of a sudden you're in like you're in like the set of Great Gatsby. I mean, so many hidden gems in that town. And I know people have a stigma for New York. And look, I'm not going to say what's better. I mean, I left New York and I'm in L.A. and I haven't been back to New York in a while. So that's saying a lot. But if you can't find something to do in New York that's fun, you don't have a pulse because you literally can find anything. And as big as that city is, people can't acknowledge the fact that it's hard to acknowledge the fact that Manhattan's 14 miles long and two miles wide. It's tiny. And between that and the other boroughs, you got the Bronx, which is like the last area that hasn't become gentrified. You got Brooklyn, which in a lot of cases is more expensive than Manhattan. You got Mm. Queens and then nobody, no offense to anybody who listens to your show that's from here, but nobody fucking takes the ferry to go to Staten, Italy. So you really got four boroughs to to hang out in. And there's eight million people in that small geographic area, but there's always something going on. And. You know, the life and the buzz and the energy that people love about the city is great. But after like 20, 30 years of it, it gets old. <laughs> it gets yeah. real old. And that's a good a good reason as to why I came out to L.A. to kind of slow down a little bit. You uh, uh-huh. you guys know there's a speakeasy in Carson Soccer Park, right? <laughs> <laughs> True story. What, there is. The he's not, he's not wrong. Uh, there is a door that looks like a closet, and it's actually a little speakeasy sponsored by El Silencio Mezcal at, at Dignity Held Sports Park. Oh God! Yeah, I feel like I feel like oh, we can't we can't let Rich hear this. I feel like Rich is gonna get some fucking ideas for the band. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Does this feel like a fucking Rich Orozco fucking hatch plan? In cellar and like uh, I don't oh, yeah. know tequila distillery or something. Oh, that'd be awesome! You go through like the bathroom of like Founders Club, and poof, you're right there. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but the ba- oh man, I forget how dis I miss how disgusting the bathrooms are during match days, man. I don't know how it's like in the Founders Club, y'all, but in the supporters bar, it's fucking disgusting. It's incredible. Someone's always taking a shit with the door open. Someone's in there. The one thing they did mess up on in Founders, I will say, they have what like two or three stalls and maybe like two urinals to accommodate that entire section. So you better get get off your ass and go to the bathroom five minutes before the half, because you're going to have to wait to go to the bathroom. That is definitely one, one screw up they did with the design of that area. Yeah. I wanted to ask y'all like, um, I mean, the founder story is important to you guys and you guys ended up in that section and now you're proud members, you know, founding members of the founder section. Like first off, did you have a season ticket to any other team before? Was this kind of in your blood to get a season ticket? And second, why choose the Founders Club? What was what was the the aura around it that you wanted to, to be there first? Sure. So I'm born and raised Angelino. So I, I did have the, the Dodgers tickets for one top of the park, cheapest possible one you could at, at the time. It was like $4.50 a ticket for a game mm. if you bought the season package. So even at 81 games, you know, you're not you're not killing yourself. 
for a, for an expensive season ticket. So I did that for a season, loved it, went to like 25 games or so. Um, did not use the full 81 just because driving to Chavez Ravine is brutal and then having to do it 81 times for, you know, uh, not, not my jam. Also, LA Avengers, the arena football team, did that for a little bit. The LA Kiss, the other arena or the the indoor football team that played down in Anaheim. And then, uh, you know, being uh, being a born and raised Angelino, I've never been able to afford Lakers season tickets, never been able to to really do any of that other stuff. And, and for me, I, we mentioned before, I'm a teacher, being able to do season tickets at a premium space in LAFC on on the salary that I make and on the budget that I'm on, it was such an appealing concept because it, look, it's not cheap to sit in Founders, but for the for less than the price of courtside Laker tickets for one game, I get two season tickets for for Founders for the entire season. And I had said to myself, this is so cool. I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. I put my money down for premium and I said, this will be how I, I splurge. This will be how I spend my, my, you know, my extra income. And I said, all I want is the FIFA view. I want dead center on an aisle. I don't care if it's a couple rows up, like that doesn't matter to me. I just, I wanted that so bad. And when they came time to pick out the seats, there it was like five rows up from the, from the glass there in Founders. And, and I'm sitting there and I got to tell you guys a quick story when, when we did our, our first walkthrough for the founders before the stadium even opened up. So the CFO up until very recently, Jim Bailey, Jim sits in the first row, like right there, like the best seats in founders. He, he's always right there. And we're taking a tour. I didn't know. It's, two, it's 2018 stadium hasn't opened up. I have no idea who Jim is at the time, but he's walking down. I'm sitting in my seats and I'm like, this is unreal. This is the view. I'm, my mind is blown. I have a little tear in my eye. Like this is, <laughs> it's the premium experience that I never thought I'd be able to do. And here I am. I'm, I'm in a five-year contract. I've got this. I'm ready. And Jim walks down and there are no seats, literally no seats where his seats are supposed to be. There's just two seats missing. <laughs> and you can see like steam coming out of his ears. Like he's looking around, like, I know these are my seats because I picked these out of like before anybody else got to got to do any of this stuff. And he calls down this usher and it was this poor like 19 year old kid who had been there six minutes. And he's he's upset, like not not having a good day. And we had an event there like three days later and his seats were there. And all of a sudden, like Jim made everything right in the world. But I thought to myself, like, this is a guy who handles the money for the club. And I'm sitting four rows behind him. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to lie. I had to pinch myself. It's the, it's the coolest view. It's, it's that FIFA view guys. It's, it's, it's the view that I've, I've only played on, on a video game. And now I get to sit there for at least two more years till I re-up my contract. All my money. Oh, all my money back in the day used to go on like instruments, um, guitars. I had like 12 of them. I didn't bring them all here, but that's where a lot of my money went. Um, Cause that's what I loved. And now all my money goes on sports stuff. Um, I had season tickets for the Mets for the longest time with my old man when it was Shea. And then uh, we were upper deck, nothing too, nothing too crazy. And then City Field came through and they literally doubled the price of our Mets tickets. And the Mets were okay during this time period. You know, they weren't the Yankees ever, but, you know, not, not going to spend double. I think it was 18, 1800 bucks for our season at Shea. And they literally doubled that. I'm not spending that much money to, to go to City Field. It, it wasn't worth it. But I had season tickets there. And I also did have season tickets for NYCFC their first year. That was really cool. 
Uh, I wasn't really making any money in my life uh, until I moved to L.A. And now all of a sudden I am a season ticket tour, for lack of a better term. I've, I had a 20 game package for the Dodgers. I love baseball. Uh, I have the LAFC and uh, I splurged and I got Ram season tickets, too. So, I, I mean, I never really calculated the percentage of my my activity, but a lot of money goes to to season tickets for for sports. Um, Bro, that's fucking crazy. That's your entire life you're spending inside a stadium. That's and and, and I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I yeah. literally wouldn't have Fuck. it any other way. I'm 40 years old and I still get giddy getting close to the bank. And <sighs> when I got to see SoFi recently, that place is just unreal. Uh, I grew up a Jets fan, but at this point, I've been to more Rams games and I've spent far more money on the Rams than I ever did the Jets. So it's kind of a conflict in a way, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, as far as how I ended up in Founders, it... I didn't have the, I didn't really have an idea. Like to me, it's like I'm making a couple of bucks. Like, and I was knowing, knowing the game. I don't know why I was so stupid thinking this, but I'm glad it worked out that way. I wanted to be in the field club. I wanted to have all those cool amenities. I wanted to have the open bar and the glitz and the glamour and then this and this and then that. But after having sat there for a game, I mean, if you really love it, being up close is awful. If I'm if I'm spending all this money and I still got to stare at the damn jumbotron to figure out what the hell happened on the other corner, that's a waste of money as far as I'm concerned. So I was lucky because that's essentially where I had my heart set was was I wanted field. But then we had founders and I'm a couple rows behind him and it's perfect. There's literally a concrete wall behind me. OK, so if I stand up, I'm not obstructing anybody's view. I could raise my hand. Panda, as she does, she could stand on the seat. We're not blocking anybody's view. So we stand pretty much the whole game and we're, we're in the middle. Again, a couple of rows, a couple of rows from him. Um, you mentioned the CFO scarf. Like, that's actually the first time I've heard you tell this story. But why don't you tell the boys about the architect? Because that really solidifies the kind of view that's over in our section. That's that's Jim. That's the guy who I sit. I, sit I thought he rows. was the architect. Oh, he's the Jim Bailey is the CFO. Or wait, wait. The, the older gentleman who sat in front of you is the CFO. Correct. Wow. I always thought he was the architect. Well, I guess in a way he's the financial architect. So I guess it all puts, gets, there it goes is. together. There it is. There it is. There's our time. You know what's, you know what's fucking wild, though, is like because I mean, Slim and I and Dweez this are because we're all North End creatures, but straight and like because the supporter stuff is takes up so much of our time and our mental and our fucking souls right that's really the only people we get to engage and talk to for the most part of it before i met dweez and because dweez is getting the journalist view right he's getting the sports writing view when he was writing for mls like from the from the booth and then talking to y'all is like in the the founders view the fifa view as you said it scarf like it's like Slim and I are not even watching the game half the time too. Like we're, we're, we're fucking, we're reacting off of energy the most of the time. Right. And I'm fucking, I'm fucking mad dogging fucking Sean on the capo stand. Cause I feel like he's not doing, he's not loud enough and, <laughs> and all that shit. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm not I'm fucking I ain't shit, but it's like, it's, it's wild that within the same club itself. And maybe this is, this is all sports, right. But because supporter culture and nothing, you guys have always been such, um, such great, great supporters of supporter culture. And you guys are part of this as well, that because I think the club has done such a great job of elevating supporters to the level they are, there is so many different ways to enjoy LAFC as a club from even the stadium's standpoint, from the vantage point that, that we all share together. And the supporters culture is such an integral part of it. And like, obviously during that first season, we would, we would look into the North end with, with awe, but 
we didn't really get to meet you guys. We didn't really get to feel a part of it until <laughs> giggity. We started pitching a tent out on Christmas yeah, tree lane and hanging out with everybody. A fucking tent on one, one, one Sunday afternoon. And we're like, what the fuck? Why is your tent so much nicer than all of our fucking tents? Who let you <laughs> we, on here? We, we, we had a connection that gave us a really nice discount, but like we tell everybody in our founder section, cause a lot of those people, they'd go to like free player, hang out there before the game, but that's not where the fun is. That's not where you get the vibe. That's not where you truly feel the passion and the love of the club. It really is on, on Christmas tree lane at that tailgate. And we're so fortunate to be there. So we're always trying to get people to come, you know, freak. I know I don't want to say this because I mean, we love free play and we're not trying to take anything away from there. Uh, but I mean, the party is that the party is always with you guys uh, and, and the gals of, of the North end and just being accepted. I mean, in that, in that area and just, Knowing people like have the idea where our tent is, you know, we're usually by the Cuervos and, you know, you do that circle like that to me is where the real fun of it is. If we didn't do this podcast, I don't know if we would have been out there. It might have been intimidating for I don't know. We probably would have ventured out there anyway. But that's truly where the fun is, is to get to hang out with the supporters and, and get to learn about the culture. Because, I mean, that's 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 where it's at. It that's what makes the stadium the stadium. I mean, I've I've envisioned. I've tried to envision anyway, just being at the bank. And for example, they're not being a North end. That stadium would be quiet because I know how people are in founders, not all of them, but a lot of them just sit there or they're hanging out and eating back there. It's not the passion. It's not the vibe. And I don't want to say it's a place to be seen because there are a lot of like hardcore, like fans of it, but it's, it, it wouldn't be the same if it wouldn't have been for the North End. And that's just what makes it special. I loved in the beginning because we could kind of sneak into the North End that first season. And then they, <laughs> they kind of police that so we can no longer go for those $4 Heinekens. Oh, we miss you, SeatGeek. Come back. Sponsor the pod, please. Sponsor both of us. <laughs> Seek, how about a live SeatGeek sponsor from 2021? <laughs> oh, man. And Josh, don't worry. The, someone stole that first tent from us. So, uh, so that's all right. We yeah. Yeah. Had to replace that one. So uh, look at that. Look at that. Yeah. People um, we're gonna be driving down and we're gonna see our defenders of the bank tent either set up under like a freeway overpass or like on yeah. a or something. I'll be like, hey, good. They're they're putting it to good use. Why not? <laughs> if it's set up around there, I don't care. But if I see it like hanging out in Elysian Park randomly and, and somebody's partying underneath it, I'm gonna be really pissed. <laughs> They'll they'll say that I mean as long as they give you a nice thank you message I think I think we're all okay with that we're not this allegedly allegedly we don't know anyone involved with in this theft but, <laughs> no but I know the I know the crew are looking didn't the crew get their uh, tent uh, stolen Slim S- someone someone I know that she got their shit stolen I I have no idea you know what give me the fucking vaccine in my fucking jugular right now that's where I want to be right now is Christmas tree lane doing the rounds like, absolutely. There's okay. Look, yeah. there's nothing like on a Saturday when you have a seven thirty kickoff, and yeah. getting there at nine o'clock in the morning, having breakfast with the the Cuervos or Ben from Relentless over in our corner there, and then just making the rounds and like, oh hey look this this burger pop up is chilling right over here. Yeah, I should have one of those. And oh wait, D nine U just brought me over like a plate of tacos or LAO brought over this like spicy margarita thing that I had to try and it's noon and I'm, I've eaten more than I would have eaten in four weeks worth of food and <laughs> five or six different drinks in and, and it's noon and I have to go sit under our tent to like take a nap for 10 minutes. And then you wake back up again and you repeat the whole process until it's like three o'clock. And then you feel like you're going to die a little bit more. So you just repeat the process all over again because now it's time to start packing up and, and to get everything ready to go take the walk and to go back inside the bank. I mean, 
their Christmas tree lane is as much as we say Bank of California Stadium is a cathedral, the black and gold. Christmas tree lane and those, whether it's 12 hours you're there beforehand or whether it's 20 minutes, it's the heartbeat of yeah. into that stadium. And Josh, you're, you're absolutely right. Like I, I miss watching our team play in person. I miss watching the club. I miss sitting with, with our friends and founders and I miss being a part of the stadium atmosphere. But I miss, it's like the first day of school, right? Like you get all excited. And that was every Saturday or every every time where we could have tailgated, it was the first day of school all over again. We got to hang out with everybody. We would bring stuff. You guys would bring stuff. We'd show off our new toys. We'd, we'd <laughs> break those new toys and then have to get new ones the next time. Like that would be Christmas tree lane, man. And I just... That that's the part that I miss more than anything else about all this. It's Christmas tree lane. God, one of my favorite memories. It wasn't even the day where we were tailgating. It was that Galaxy playoff game where it was midweek. And I mean, we couldn't set up the tent because we, we all had to work. And I, I got off as, as early as I can. And I got to Christmas tree lane. And, and I, I'll admit, I was nervous before that Galaxy playoff game. So I happened to just walk to Christmas tree lane. And I kind of, you know, I wanted to keep a somewhat of a sober mindset and walk around and just kind of take in the atmosphere because it potentially at that point could have been the last time of the season. And silly me, every single 10 I walked by, everybody awesome. Hey, Philly, come take a shot. Hey, Philly, have a beer. Hey, Philly, let's do a shoey. By the time I made my round around, I did all my thing around Christmas tree lane. I was hammered. Hammered before the game. I walked and I just wanted to be sober and take it all in. Oh, I took it all in. I, I battled a wicked hangover the next day, but I mean, what, 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 what a match, what, what a night it was, but it's like things like that, that make it great. Like the game itself was, it was the high of the high, but it wouldn't have been the high of the high without just doing that round on Christmas tree lane and bumping, bumping into people. I just, I mean, there's, there's yeah. your new here. There's my vaccine. <laughs> Get me back to Christmas tree lane, man. Ah, the pure pressure on Christmas tree lane was great. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I always caved in always. I am not going to drink today. <laughs> Here's a shot. You don't want to be rude, right? Exactly. You don't, you don't want to be rude. And I don't want to be rude to anyone who has to go to the bathroom. Let's take a quick break. I'm going to come back with a real quick few wheeze with these boys. They've been kind with their time. We're going to hear a little bit more. Get right back into it. Cool. You're... We are back, FCFC Pod, T with Dweez, with the boys from Defenders. You already know them very well. Philly, Scarf, Spice, and Slim are still here with me. I'm drinking some of uh, Slim. You remember that that Da Hong Bao, the oolong tea that you, you brought me from your friend, the Red Bags, from way back? Yeah. Man, I was stashing that away for so long. I was just like, damn, I, I'm going to have this on a good day. And I, you know what? I'm just I'm running dry on tea over here, but, you know, we're about to enter this lockdown again. I just saw these guys for the last time in person recently. We're obviously all dealing with the uh, the, the, the second round, second big round of lockdowns that you know, we all expect uh, to, to happen here this winter. And in addition to being safe and all of that, we also know that people need to watch out for their sanities. And, um, you know, uh, until we can get back to Christmas tree lane, as we were all just talking about, oh, and one, one important uh, tangent, they pr planted new trees on Christmas tree lane, by the way, which I saw oh. recently for those who haven't been there. 
there are some new little baby trees. And I saw the gentleman planting them one day when I was running over there. And I just said, I just thanked him. Just thanked him for more trees on the lane. Yeah. But I also found out that that palm tree is the oldest palm tree in Los Angeles. I never knew that. The one at the end oh. of the lane. Oh, the fuck? That's awesome. Um, which is part of my recommendation, which I'll give shortly. But um, before I give mine, why don't, uh, you know, I remember Philly, when we, we did the pod fam, we talked about the Renaissance coming back when we're all out of quarantine and we're coming back. Well, the fucking Renaissance is going to have to wait because that shit is still a little ways off. And in the meantime, we're all still in our houses, all still doing stuff. Guys, I want some recommendations for the people, man, whether it's football related, whether it's TV related, book related, activity related, uh, I don't know, jumping jack related, anything you've been doing, anything that you've enjoyed that might help our listeners sort of cope with this next round of, of, of quarantining. And, you know, as soon as we're done with the CONCACAF Champions League in absence of, of LAFC football. So let's, uh, let's start with, with Slim. Slim, you got any? Come back around, dude. I'm not ready. Slim <laughs> <laughs> well, never has any recommendations. You already know I'm going to ask you, bro. JR, bro, you're ready. my recommendation is, like, if you don't want to spend a bunch of money and, like, if you don't have a bunch of time on your hands, don't get a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an anti-recommendation. Anti-recommendation. Oh, man. I just my, – my one Cyber Monday purchase was that stupid webcam um, treat feeder. Like <laughs> – <laughs> so you could see your dog and make him sit and then fucking feed him a treat when you're not home. <laughs> oh, I'm such a fucking loser, bro. <laughs> that's it. That's a good anti-recommendation. I recommend dogs, although that's not mine. But shout out Hoji. Shout out Kobe. Uh, JR, you got any recommendations for the good people? All right. So this is going to go a different avenue than you might think. But my recommendation is Facebook and not for why you might think. Here's why. I finally, I used to get so upset at all those dumb ads that you scroll through on Facebook for buying this or ordering that or whatever it might be until I saw something that blew my mind. Kelp pickles. <laughs> pickles. All right, this is a true story. I, I was scrolling about a week ago and they have this picture and the, the, the headline, it was perfect. Dude, they sucked me in so quick. They're like, why does this pickle have a hole in the middle of it? And I was like, why does this pickle have a hole? <laughs> What are you? <laughs> so I clicked on the link, right? And it sent me down the rabbit hole of this company that makes kelp pickles from this Australian kelp that they harvest from the sea. And I thought, you know what? This is genius. And so I, I went ahead and I ordered kelp pickles. They haven't arrived yet, but I'm super excited when they do. I and you know, kelp pickle. I'm going to do kind of like the 12 days of Christmas, but like leading up to and through this whole next quarantine time that we have here, like about once a week or so, I'm just going to scroll through Facebook and I'm going to see what ad pops up next. I've done everything from cricket powder to strive built <laughs> jerky to now kelp pickles. I'm just going to expand my horizons a little bit. Slim was not liking any of the things that I just said, by the way, but I'm just going to scroll through Facebook and see, you know what? what's coming next let's see what we're gonna do and maybe once a week if i can't go out and spend money at like a nice restaurant or you know just try something new or even get street tacos for that matter for a lot of places i'm gonna go ahead and try kelp pickles i didn't hear anything after cricket powder <laughs> hey, shout out shout out to biltong though slim you should get get on some biltong that south african jerky is real uh phil you want to hit them with some recommendations 
Yeah, I um, for me, like the I twenty, I, I put up a the, uh, post on social media about how twenty twenty's had its, you know, it's it's done its fair share number on me physically, mentally, emotionally, that whole shebang, and uh, I. Rather than resort to drinking recommendations, which I started earlier on in the pandemic, which gave me more gout, I, I definitely recommend being active, doing something outside of the house, doing some kind of sweat. I mean, you just ran a hundred kilometer. Uh, you just ran a hundred kilometers, 62.137 miles to be precise. Amazing stuff. There is there's something to be said about strong body and strong mind and. You know, I found myself in such a funk these past couple of days just because my cat wasn't doing too hot. He's fine now. But physical activity, whether if, if you could get a bicycle, a road bike, it, it does wonders to go cruise around 10, 15, 20, 25 miles. Hop on, hang out with Hart, uh, Hart, uh, Black, the Black and Gold Cycling Club, Hart LAFC uh, Cycling Club. I mean, there's so much things you could do there. But if you can't buy a bike and you don't have that much time, I recommend the 100 Challenge. 100 push-ups, 100 jumping jacks, 100 squats. I said push-ups, squats, jumping jack, and 100 sit-ups. And break them down into variations, 10, 10, 10, 25, 25, 25. And time it. The first time you do it, it might take you 15, might take you 20 minutes. And then you just try to get faster every time. And the worst thing that'll happen to you is you might feel a little better after that. It might get some endorphins going. I, I don't believe in taking, me personally, this is my thing, like I can't take like medication. I refuse to take Advil if I'm not feeling well. The only thing that has prevented me from, you know, banging my head against the wall is just going out there and being active. And uh, looking at my activity app, I think I've worked out a good 60, at least I don't, maybe I don't look it, but I've I worked out at least a good 65 to 70% of this year. And I, in this month right here, December, I'm giving myself the 31 day challenge where I want to do something active for, for now to the remainder of the year. This is my way of saying, fuck you, COVID, and fuck you, 2020. You're not going to take my, my body and my mind and my soul hostage. I'm going to go out there and physically beat the shit out of you. And that's how I'm doing it. Let's fucking go. I'm Oof. with that. I'm with everything this man just said. I'm with that. That's pretty much the same thing as kelp pickles. Yeah, I, I totally want a kelp pickle. <laughs> Which is another way of saying kelp pickles. Uh, Josh Vice, why don't you hit him with your, with your recommendation, man? Uh, quick. Okay, cool. So anti-recommendation would be actually parking at the Griffith Observatory and paying $8 <laughs> an hour to park. But the move that I found recently, so you go on, uh, you go up Vermont, right, all the way Vermont entrance, and then you park at the bottom of the hill and you just take the fucking back way up without going on the dirt. And it's like you're up there in 15 minutes. And you're at the observatory. You get to fucking do everything that all the beautiful, wonderful, happy couples are doing at the observatory. And then you just walk your ass down all sad and but also kind of more fit. And so, um, Phil, I'm, I might do the 100 challenge when I'm up at the observatory. And um, I saw some guy making a motivational video um, telling people to uh, have people give them their money to invest and such like like he was just doing it up there, too, at like six in the morning. So it's a good place. It's a good place to, to people watch and to uh, kind of walk it off a little bit. Please oh, hit us with your records. Wait, Josh Spice just recommended Griffith Park on that ass right now. I mean, you oh, guys yeah, are just yeah, recommending maybe. things, all these things, kelp pickles. I mean, the only thing I'm going against is what Slim said. All the other ones are excellent. For my, for when I when I ran that ridiculous run the other day, it included Angeles National Forest, the Verdugo Mountains, all of Griffith Park, and uh, the Santa Monicas. We ran. We also ran Mahal and Drive the whole way, but fucking Griffith Park. It's where it's at. It's where I fell in love with trail running. 
like Griffith Park, never park, pay for parking at Griffith Park. Never, 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 never. And if you ever go to Griffith Park, fucking holler at your boy because I'll meet you there every day of the week. I love it up there. And it all kind of goes in line with my recommendation as well as uh, a lot of what Philly, piggybacking on what Philly said. The, the only thing you can do right now, the only thing you can really do is get the fuck outside. And we live in Los Angeles where you can go the fuck outside this time of year and really enjoy it. The book is called Wild L.A., all right? The Natural History Museum put it out, uh, I think, two years ago now. Uh, it's our, our neighbors at Expo Park, the Natural History Museum. This book, Wild L.A., has the best breakdown of native tree species in L.A., all the snakes and all the little critters in L.A., and it has all of the all of like the day activities you can do in the Los Angeles area. And there should be one at least 20 minutes of your house if you live anywhere near LA. And there's so many things to see. This is how I learned about this this tree, the, mm. the tree on Christmas tree lane being the oldest um, palm tree in Los Angeles. It's how I learned why the gopher snake's called the gopher snake because it fucking eats gophers, which blows my mind. And next time oh, I wow. run across a gopher snake out at Kenneth Hahn, that's crazy. Kenneth Hahn just opened up the new bridge to connect over La Cienega Boulevard. So part of Kenneth Hahn goes to Culver City that just opened up. Uh, it's a fucking amazing time to be outside and be doing shit outside to keep your mind right, to keep your body right. And because LA has crazy nature, yo, like crazy. There's there's so many things that I've learned from that book, uh, Wild LA, just getting familiar, more and more familiar with my neighborhood, our, our uh, fellow residents here in Los Angeles, the, the trees, the critters, the animals. You guys know I'm from a hippie family. I'm going to hit you with that hippie shit. So <laughs> get out there and enjoy it um it's it's really incredible time you'll see some scorpions i ran into a california common scorpion recently used that and use wild la with the uh the app is called iNaturalist. you just point that shit at something take a picture of it you don't know what the hell it is a tree in front of your yard you look at every day and have no idea what the hell it's called you gotta learn what it's called so iNaturalist, cool iNaturalist is the app the book is called wild la it was put out by the natural history museum i swear to god get you could get that for any person who loves Los Angeles or loves nature, and it'll be also the best gift of the year. So check that shit out. I left my copy in the main house where I have fried chicken and biscuits about to be served. So I'm hungry as hell. I don't got the I don't got all the patience in the world. All right. My, my girl keeps me keeps me uh, keeps me familiar with the podcast. She has to deal with all these knuckleheads coming to the backyard every week. So <laughs> I got to I got to run in there real quick. But we're going to join uh, Philly and the scarf later this week for their episode 131 i believe right boys 131 for a part two cross pod i have a feeling in that one we may talk a lot more football a lot more fc lafc a lot more you know what the hell's gonna happen uh here in ccl but guys it was such a pleasure to have you it breaks my heart that we can't be in the backyard but it, it's really 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 great having you and we always respect what you guys do shout out to all the defenders fans and followers and people who, who follow their work who've come over here to check out our pod as well and it's all one big pod fam so shout out to you guys and uh we'll we'll be back with you guys with them i don't know in probably the next couple of days by the time this comes out absolutely dweez spice slim this has been the the thrill of our lockdown so far and i, and I don't imagine there's gonna be anything even better that comes along to to knock this off the top anytime soon you guys are the best can't wait to be in the backyard with all of you but uh from from one pond to another, it is one giant happy pod fam with you guys a big part of it. So thank you, thank you.
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm so happy you, you guys hit us up. Anytime you would have other guests on, I'd, I'd sit and tell Scarf, God, I wonder when they're going to invite us over to the backyard. I really want to go to the backyard and drink Hennessy. Uh, but it really is so cool. And I got so much to learn about tea, Dweez. I like tea, but I'm a tea troglodyte. I don't know a damn thing about tea. And I, I need to learn. We're going to learn you. We're going to learn you. We're going to learn you. We got all the time in the world, brother. I love it. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe we'll do some of that on the next pod. We'll, we'll all like, you know, like have each other do shots or something. We'll keep it closer to a weekend and then we'll just all get pissed drunk on on the next pod. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, y'all. Yo, this has been another episode of the FCFC pod. Thank y'all for tuning in. We'll see y'all next week or something. I don't know. <laughs> FCFC. FC, FC. FCFC. FC, 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 F